This podcast is powered by the leading at the top of your game development experience. If you would like to work with Karen and the shockingly different leadership team to up-level the leadership execution acumen within your organization, visit developingyourgame.com to find out more. If we want to attract the top talent, we have to pay top talent what they're going to get in the market. Because if not, they're just going to go get higher paying jobs. Welcome to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast, where we equipped you to more effectively lead your seat at any employer, business, or industry in which you choose to play. Each week, we help you sharpen your leadership acumen by cracking open the playbooks of dynamic leaders who are doing big things in their professional endeavors. And now your host, leadership tactics and organizational development expert, Karen Farrell-Rhodes. Hey there, superstars. Thanks for joining in another episode designed to help you to better lead at the top of your game. You know, what comes to mind when you think of the term self-leadership? You know, self-leadership describes how you lead your own personal and professional life, right? It involves setting your course, following it, and then also course correcting along the way. And on today's show, I'm honored to have Dr. Benjamin Ritter, founder of Live For Yourself Consulting. He's also the former head of talent development, organizational culture, and learning at Technovo, which is a manufacturer that focuses on the life science, biopharma, and healthcare industries. And I've got to tell you, he really brought the knowledge on this episode. There is absolutely no fluff here all value bombs. We go deep into self-leadership, how to use it to impact your career progression, and he even supplies a model to help you have critical, influential conversations with decision makers that matter. So be sure to stay tuned for at least two minutes after the episode to listen to my closing segment called Karen's Take, where I share a tip on how to use insights from today's episode to further sharpen your leadership acumen. And now, Enjoy the show. Hey there, superstars. This is Karen, and welcome to today's episode on the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast. I am super pleased to have on today's show Dr. Benjamin Ritter, who's the founder of Live for Yourself Consulting, and he's also the former head of talent development, uh, organizational culture, and learning at Technova. And Technova is a manufacturer that focuses on the life science biopharma and healthcare industries. So um, so I'm sure that's fascinating. I'm sure a bit of that's probably going to come out on this show. And Dr. Ritter is also a leadership and career coach. He's, a, of course, a talent development executive, as I've mentioned, values geek, international speaker, and also podcaster himself. So hopefully I'll get a few tips from him. But he's very, very passionate about helping leaders to be at their best and also to create a career that they'd love. So welcome to the show, Dr. Ben. Thank you so much for having me. I've been constantly wondering as because I hear my bio spoken a lot when I'm in these interviews and I'm like, what is a career that I love? And I like, it's such a great reminder to be like, I'm going to take a step back and go, am I doing the things I love? Yes. Okay, great. I'm here. Good. There you go. There you go. And just, uh, we had a chance to have a, a brief conversation before the podcast listeners, and we were talking just on that. And one of the things that Dr. Ben and I share is 
a love of being practitioners and working in a different variety of industries and environments. Uh, We never like a boring day, uh, as I know you all don't as well. And correct me if I'm wrong, Ben. Yeah, boring is something I have to give, I've gotten used to. Like I had to train myself to be like, okay, it's good that I'm bored right now because it means that things are going well. But then I actually have, I've made, and this is something I I literally have on my phone, a boring list. And so it's, it's a list I pull up when I'm bored to go, these are all the things that you love to do. You can go do right now because you're bored. That's good. And so I taken this little and put a little bit of process into it. And it's helped me make use of those times. You know what? I'm going to try that actually. I'm very rarely bored because I, yeah, I feed off of energy and, and, people energy, if you will. But I'm going to have to try that because those times that do come up, um, I'm always looking for the next thing. And that was be a quick reminder. Okay, why don't you try this? You haven't done this in a while. So that's a great tip. <laughs> well, before we dive in on to today's topic, then if you don't mind, would you share for as much as you feel comfortable, share just a little bit about kind of your personal background and professional background, like where you grew up and kind of how did you get to where you are today? And so as a lesson to the audience, if this does get kept in, as a leader, it's okay to do something you think might not be right if it's going to help things be right. That's right. So a lot of my journey has been putting my, been basically putting myself in uncomfortable situations to figure out how I impact the people around me and outside of how I feel about what I'm doing. And I think that's an, an incredible and important a component of executive presence because leadership really is how you impact the people around you. And too often we limit our ability to really impact others because we think we have to operate within a box, right? Based on our own stories. And so my background's in organizational talent, leadership development. And that all got started though, because I was unhappy at work. Like it literally was just, I hated my job, but I was also a high achiever. I was promoted onto the executive team, but I went into work not to work. I went into work not to have conversations with people because I didn't see those people as important, which is one of the worst things that you can do is basically waste time in a job because you think your job is a waste of time and all you're doing is just compounding the issue. And so luckily I had kind of this epiphany moment that said, Ben, you're being the victim. You're blaming your organization for something that's your own fault. You're unhappy. Don't let your org, don't like blame it on other people. Take control and do something about it and choose to be happy. Choose to make the best of the time that's in front of you. And also be more intentional about what you're, what you're doing with your time. So that made me really stop and say, Ben, what do you like to do? And lo and behold, at that time, I actually was in an emerging leaders program. I was having, I received 16 months of leadership training. And the one person I looked up to in my career was the person that I got to meet with. He was my coach in, in the organization. He was managing the entire leadership program across all of our 13, 13 sites. And we were having a conversation like, this is a job. You have a job. Tell me about your job. This seems so cool. Like this aligns with my desire for coaching. It aligns with my personal development interests. It aligns with the fact that like I'm a high achiever and super disengaged and the organization is wasting me and I'm stuck in this place and the leadership around me did not notice and also did not know how to manage me. And I said, I don't want this to happen to people like me ever again. And how can I impact this? And your job seems like it's doing that. And so I started figuring out how to get involved in those types of projects. I asked my boss to be involved with that department. And lo and behold, all is well. The story ends and I have a beautiful career in talent development. Not the case. And uh, we got acquired again. My whole career has been just crazy turmoil. So we, we got acquired again. Uh, I, by the way, in that in that position. I had three different bosses and then we had two different CEOs. And then we got acquired 
two times. So we had three name changes. And then, uh, so everyone I was working with lost their jobs. Everything I was working on was getting centralized and everything got stopped and paused. So I had to make a decision, stay unhappy with where I'm at, or go try to find a job in this space. Or when that didn't actually work, because I don't know what I know now, how to brand myself, you know, in a way that is is attractive to people when you're transitioning careers. I went and became credible. So I went and got back and went and did my doctorate. I studied the field. I became an academic. But I also then took that research and applied it into creating a new company and started building a brand while I also looked for ways to build my brand inside organizations. And if you don't mind sharing, what was your dissertation on? The relationship between person, job, value, congruence, and intrinsic and extrinsic job satisfaction of senior healthcare leaders. Wow. And what was one, I know there's a ton of learnings out of that, but what was one big takeaway you wouldn't mind sharing with us? In individuals that are aligned with their work, their personal values are aligned with their job values, which is very much the the truth in healthcare, at least in leadership. I would imagine actually throughout healthcare overall. Extrinsic job satisfaction indicators, such as salary, benefits, recognition, are the most important, which was kind of a little mind-blowing to me because I'm like, it's all about value alignment. It's all about being happy and motivated at work. And I'm like, okay, hold on a second, reality check. Like, if you don't feel you're getting paid right, if you don't feel like you have a balance, like you can go get a lunch, if you don't feel like you're getting recognized for the job that you're doing, it doesn't matter how meaningful you think that work is. It actually gets worse. Those indicators become more important the more aligned you feel at work because then now you have the time to focus on those factors in comparison to the fact that you know that you you feel like you have meaning instead of not having meaning. Super interesting. So it's like it's not this one some it's not this like all in one kind of thing. It's people feel meaning and happiness. They'll never work a day in their life, right? It's, and I that quote like bothers me so much now because it's like, no, that's not the case. You always feel like it's work. You always need the general factors and aspects that come with feeling recognized and being in a, in a livelihood and savings and et cetera that come with having a job and spending your time working for somebody else. And it's, so it's important that employers understand that it's all important. And it does, it does actually increase the responsibility of an employer if they want to retain and engage their, their employees. But it's good to know because I think the theme is a little bit different right now, right? The, what, what people are saying is like, let's just give them all this lovely dovey feelings. And this, that's not actually the case. And that's good to know They they know they're going to have to be multifaceted to truly be an employer choice, right? That's kind of the takeaway. Very much so. And that if you're in an organization that you're very much mi- multifaceted focused, I should say, I'm sorry. Yeah. And, and if you're in an organization that's very mission focused, very values focused, and you're like, well, everyone just works 80 hours a week here. And that's the culture we have because we love what we're doing. Okay, that's great. Uh, but you're going to lose the people. Like you're not going to attract the people that care about balance. You're not going to attract the people like if you're underpaying them that care about f- financial wealth. And there's a really great TED talk that talks like that goes over the fact that we severely underpay non-for-profit executives. They're severely underpaid. And it doesn't make sense because if someone like if we want to attract the top talent, we have to pay top talent, what they're going to get in the market. Because if not, they're just going to go get higher paying jobs because these individuals care about getting paid a certain much. And then they're just going to donate. It goes along, I think, with just general common sense, but it goes against some of like some of the conversations I think that are happening around engagement and retention. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. I wanted to circle back really quickly to something that resonated with me. And this will lead into kind of our topic about self-leadership. You may or may not know that my last big gig before starting up my own firm was to helping to lead the 
global high potential leadership program for Microsoft. And we had individuals at all career stages in the program. It was basically like the top three and a half percent of the company globally and about 4,200 participants worldwide in the program. And one of the most common areas of concern that we would hear from our high potential employees were that they didn't feel like they were maxim- being maximized um, for their you know, knowledge, skills, and abilities, something that you mentioned in the beginning when you were um, kind of giving your background. And me and my team spent a lot of time speaking to them and letting them know, you know, the, the leaders want to see the best out of you, but sometimes they just don't know how to pull it out to your point about, you know, how do you help them show up as their best selves and be open to, you know, what they're truly bringing to the table and integrate that into the organization? So we talked a lot about how do you lead yourself to lead your other, whether it be your customers, clients, bosses, or what have you, in a way that pulls out some of those skills that aren't being tapped into so that you're happy. Uh, with how you're making impact on the job. And then they're happy to see, you know, what you're being able to uh, bring to the table as well. And that delves nicely into the whole self-leadership topic, because um, I do think that is a lens that a lot of super smart people really don't spend that time on. And so I'm really curious for us to dig dig a little bit into that. So let's start by letting you define in your terms what self-leadership is and why is that so important from your perspective? One disclaimer to say to all the leaders listening before we dive into self-leadership. Yeah. (laughs) We think that people will bring to us the problems that they have. And we think that if something's wrong, they'll tell us. If they want to work on something new, they'll tell us. If there's some issue in relationships, they'll tell us. If they don't have the resources they need to do the job, they'll tell us. We just think as a leader, they will. That is not the case. Like It is absolutely, I'm trying to, I'm trying. That's my mission, right? Mission is to get people out there to lead themselves, to be more empowered and accountable for their own careers. But as a leader, please understand, you are not getting the information you need unless you ask for it. And you have to ask like three or four times. And if someone tells you something one time, one time, even in passing, and it's like a blip, it's like a five second comment, they think now that they've given you the truth, the commandment, the reality that is like the thing that they need. And if you don't follow up on that, then you're a terrible leader. Like this is, this is, it's sad, but it's what leaders have to deal with. That's right. Okay. I just, disclaimer. (laughs) That's right. So now going into (laughs) self-leadership. Playing off, do you have anything to say on that before like, you want to get on the soapbox with me? No, I'm just doing a virtual high five audience. Um, he said it way more articulate than I could have ever, but it, he is 150% right. Okay, I'm taking it. We're on the soapbox together. So now so now we'll get into to leaders. And this is a good transition from what I just said, which is if someone tells you something once, they think that now the leader, it's their job to go make it happen. And, and this is a great example of this is even just like a promotion. I want a promotion. And too often people ask for promotions when they want the promotion. You know, it takes like six months to get a promote, like more than that, six, six to 12 months to get. Or more. You got to set the stage. Yeah, because there's processes in an organization. There's things that need to happen. You, you have to showcase your talent to, you know, skip level managers. Like you have to get cross, cross collaboration champion or cross collaborative champions. Like there's a bunch of things that you need to have done for you to get a promotion. And so, so often people are like, I want it now. And then they get angry at their leader for not being able to make it happen. Well, you didn't give the leader the chance to make it happen. And so when we talk about self-leadership, what we're really saying is, are you leading yourself in a way that is going to help you achieve the goals that you want? 
we can add another bit of that, which is, are you doing it in a way that aligns with your values? So you're actually going to be fulfilled when you achieve it. And so do you have, do you feel empowered? Do you know that you are the one that has permission to take steps forward in your career to be proactive? And do you feel accountable? So after you tell your boss something, you don't think your boss has it. You bring it up to your boss again the next week or in two weeks, and you bring it up again with progress updates. And so there's this, this facet of accountability probably is even more than the facet of empowerment, honestly, because it's no one else is, is there to do the, is to help you accomplish your goals in your career, even if they're hired to do that. Like you ultimately are the person that needs to lead yourself. So that's how I would define it. Love it. Absolutely. And what can you share? What kind of conversations you recommend when you're having these one on one conversations, either with your boss or your skip level boss? Like what should be some of the messages or bullet points or talking points that you need to ensure to include in those types of conversations with those influencers? Yeah. So I have this model called the team model of managing to motivate. And I actually go through it mainly with leaders. It's, it's a model that helps leaders craft an environment that is going to motivate and engage their employees to accomplish whatever goals the organization has. And you said it's a team model, T-E-A-M? T-E-A-M. Now, an individual can use it for themselves as well, because you can curate the whole, you want to curate an environment that's going to help you make progress and be engaged and be satisfied. And so the first pillar is trust. And so for you to be able to create anything that you want to create in an organization, you're going to have to build trust with your leader. You're going to have to build trust with your peers Like you really can't do it alone. And that means that you're going to have to do things that create trust, such as give positive feedback, you know, manage up and give positive feedback to your peers on a regular basis. It's that simple. Uh, create open lines of communication. So make sure that you're talking to them, support them with the, with things that they need. So it's, it's, it's kind of like the basis of like, I'm, I'm there for you. I'm going to follow up. I'm going to be reliable. I'm going to show up consistently. So if I say something, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to help you understand how I'm feeling and be open and honest with you. So let's say we have trust. Now, all of a sudden now, you have a lot more tools at your disposal than if you didn't have trust. And so then we can move on to the other pillars and I'll pause for a second. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Let's go with the E. Okay, so E is environment. So for you to be successful in your role, you need to have the be in touch with the relationships that are going to bring positivity and help you support you towards your goals in your role. Um, we're also going to have to distance yourself from mediate relationships that bring negativity and that are draining or that are poisonous. You're also going to need resources to help you do your job. So let's say if you have a remote job, but you don't have a webcam and don't have internet, I mean, it's that simple. That's what I'm talking about resources. You're going to need training guides or the right applications. And you're also going to need potentially the empowerment to deal with difficult clients if you're a client facing. Like there's anything that you can think of that is a resource for you to do your job. You're going to need those things. And so you need to feel empowered and accountable to go ask for those things and to create that environment for yourself to be able to do your job. A is the actual work. And so for you to, to feel like you're growing in your career, you have to do work that is potentially challenging and that stretches you a little bit and leads you towards your career goals in terms of whatever title or projects you want to work on. So you have to know what that is. You have to be clear about that. And you need to have conversations with your leader about what those projects are so that you can actually start working towards them. And you need to do that in advance. You also need to work on things that you feel align with your skills and your passions because you have to feel a little, you have to feel confident in the work that you do. And you also have to feel like it sparks part of you, you know, part of you and not all of your work, but some of it. And you have to find ways to delegate, to stop or to change the work that you don't like. Because what we're doing is we're creating an environment again that is going to help propel us forwards and help fill us up and create energy within us. And if we're doing work that drains us or we think is stupid or no one cares about, 
It's not going to happen. And very often I have leaders that are in meetings that are completely draining. And this is a meeting they think they have to be a part of, or one, they actually end up not going to the meeting anymore because they don't actually have to be there. But two, what they can do is sandwich the meeting and put a little bit more buffer space before and after the meeting itself to find ways to fill them up. So it's like being more conscious about the work that you're doing on a day-to-day basis. And then M is just our perception around work. Very often, if we don't like our job, if we think it's pointless, we have a bad experience with a coworker or a leader, we let that experience just like fester, becomes like a leech. And the longer we let it fester, it just grows, right? It sucks and sucks and it becomes this big beast of a thing that now we can't get rid of. It's become our program, it's become our story, it's become a belief. And so if we can remind ourselves around the meaning of our work, why we went into this industry in the first place, why we work for the organization that we're a part of, the impact of the work that we have, the impact of the people that we have on the people around us. We're so much more likely to be able to do the things we need to do to continuously make progress as well as be happy. You know, I wake up, I'm a leadership and career coach. I wake up and sometimes I go, why am I doing this? And I have to stop and I have to remember that I love the stuff that I do. And it's like, it's not just automatic, you know? So it's all conscious. It's conscious. It's if you, if we let ourselves roll with the waves of life, we're going to get, you know, swept away. So part of it is making sure that we have a a big boat that we're building and that we're in. You're so spot on with that. And I love that. So we're going to add your team model to our leadership playbook. So thank you uh, so much for sharing that. And I, I would, I want to take it one step further and please disagree if, if you don't, um, with what I'm about to say, but the, I think the conversations definitely should be centered around the trust the environment, the actual work and the meaning of the work, right? But part of self-leadership is also taking ownership of, of bringing it home for if you're in the, you know, employed for your boss and your skip level boss as well in a way, meaning. So after you all have these rich conversations, you as an individual should take the initiative to, you know, summarize what you all talked about in, you know, a few bullet points. Uh, talk about what you agreed upon. When you have those conversations of additional things your boss would love to see, also document, you know, what needs to be taken off your plate kind of thing, you know, so that your work is meaningful, you're having the right amount of time and, and you can sequester the right amount of energy to get these kind of things done. I've seen the most powerful impact on a person taking the ownership of summarizing it, sending it back an email to their boss or skip level boss and say, this is what I've heard. Um, I really appreciate your time. This is what I've heard us talk about and agree upon is that do you agree as well? Feel free to edit or what have you. What this does, it's not so much as it being an email per se, but it puts uh, your leader on notice that you're very committed, you're serious about what you're doing, you're following up, and you expect them to also keep you top of mind as well and be prepped for the next meeting that you have. It's amazing when someone feels like they are on the line or on the spot for helping you to grow your career and you're so committed and you're showing that energy, it's amazing how they keep you top of mind in those performance conversations and discussions. Uh, That's what I have witnessed. But tell me, have you seen that as well? Or if you don't think that's a great approach and there's a better one? When I was the head of talent development at Technova, one of the projects I worked on was 
building, establishing, and implementing a new performance management process. So quarterly reviews. There's a lot of components of that. One of them was goal setting. And we implemented an MIT process, a measurable, important, and time-bound. And one of the issues that we had in the first quarter, which we made sure was solved in the second quarter, was that people were surprised by the fact that they didn't meet their goals. And you should never be surprised, (laughs) right? So what there was training that had to happen with the managers, but more so there was training that had to happen in the organization. As an employee, if you get assigned a goal, your responsibility for that goal is that you understand it, you believe in it, and you check in on the progress of that goal with your manager and leader and share anything that changes or anything that needs to change. And you take full ownership over it. And what I've seen in the the last organization, what I see in general, is that people don't fully realize, this is a generalization, that when they're given something or when they have a job, you own that and are responsible for everything that's a part of it. And so when you go into your performance review, it's not, oh, I forgot I had that goal. Or, you know what, we had some things change during the quarter. Let me tell you what happened. I think we should still count that goal as achieved. No, you're going in with full a full understanding that you've either achieved that goal or you've already changed that goal or you know that you haven't met that goal and you're going to have to deal with it. And so like this, it's this full accountability. So the accountability piece comes in that says you have to do your job and you have to show your leader that you're serious about your job. And if not, you deal with the consequences. And to your point about showing up and like, taking notes and sending that over to your boss is incredible. I, I worked with a lot of individuals on managing up. And one of the things that we implemented was a shared document for one-on-ones. And it changed their game. It, it changed the game with their leader because the leader now can reference it for information. It's a good place to say like, look, we talked about this two weeks ago because leaders forget stuff. Like it, is, it happens all the time. And then it's just, it's such a great opportunity for an individual to show that they're leading themselves and being serious. And most important, they're making their boss's job easier, which honestly, that's why you're hired. The only reason you have your job is because you make your boss's job easier. If you stop doing that, you should not have a job. That's right. <laughs> You were hired to take some of the, you know, something off your boss's plate to do so that they can, you know, focus on something else. So you're right. If you're not bringing value, you shouldn't even be there at all. And that's a wonderful tool. Um, I don't think I've ever been in an organization that's had a shared tool. They've had shared, you know, feedback, but not a shared tool to work off of. But what I love about that is, and, you know, there's a lot of executives that are probably going to throw tomatoes at me in a minute, but you know, when we're in these performance discussions or succession planning meetings, quite honestly, it is the individuals that are in that room that are most prepared that can justify their staff, why their staff is is ready for a a major move. Those who are most prepared are the ones that usually went out. It's not that, oh, Karen's a good fit. It's, you know, Karen has demonstrated this XYZ as evidenced by, you know, ABC. Those are the ones that end up winning the extra funds to allow Karen to move to something or another. Have you seen that as well? I was incredibly disappointed in uh, leadership before in an organization I was that I was helping. 
and I had conversations. I was not part of the calibration session. So a calibration session during you know performance reviews is basically making sure that there isn't a lot in bias right within the ratings themselves, as well as trying to understand them, looking at outliers, etc. And I wasn't in there, but heard feedback from our chief people officer at the time that there were individuals in the meeting, executive leadership, when asked, so why are you giving this rating to this person? And they go, well, because that's what I was told. And how how can you, would, 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 I just, it was almost mind boggling because it's like, wait a second, hold on. Your responsibility is your people. You are now submitting these ratings to help your people and you don't understand them. And it is scary because yes, you're right. If a leader, an executive leader or a leader is looking to help someone get promoted or even get someone out of the organization due to disciplinary issues, and they don't have records or reasons behind what they're trying to push forwards, then they're not going to be successful. And so you as an individual, as an employee, if you want to make sure that you're successful, give that information to your leader. That's right. That is so spot on. Wow, I blinked, uh, Ben, and time is almost up. But I have two more quick questions for you before we wrap up this episode. The first one is, and you kind of mentioned it earlier, um, but as you know, I, I wrote a book on um, leadership execution, and there were seven tactics that really resonated based out of our research that really definitely, we had more than seven, obviously, as part of the research, but there were seven that were really renowned across industries and no matter your level of leadership. And so we decided to double down on understanding those. But I was just wondering if one of those seven tactics kind of jumped out and resonated with you by chance. This is super relevant. I've been giving a couple different workshops on executive presence lately. And I've had some slight variations of how I described presence depending on the type of workshop. So one was in person though, and I got to have a lot of fun and I got to like jump around and do a bunch of stuff. So in that workshop, we talked about executive presence as having three main kind of keys. And so one of them was mindset. The other one is vocal communication. The other one is energy. And as a leader, really your job is to be seen and perceived as a leader. So you can create followers to help guide then those individuals towards the organization's goals. And if you don't have executive presence, so, and, and then other workshops that define it as vision, credibility, reliability, and presence itself. If you don't have the trust of the people around you, if they don't know what you stand for, if they don't believe that you're credible or a subject matter expert, and they don't think that you show up consistently and are aligned and and don't really have a presence that you know shows confidence at all, then you're not going to convince people or get them motivated or engaged or inspired. And so if I was to say there's one thing that's crucial and really important, it would be executive presence. And I'm really happy to see that on this list. Oh, thank you. Good. And let's round out by sharing with our audience, what is one piece of advice um, or tip that someone in your life has given you that still resonates with you today? Uh, One piece of advice. I feel like I want to just... Or something you observed. I almost want to talk about myself, but I'm going (laughs) to... Putting you on the spot, right? (laughs) Well, there are certain types of individuals, right? There's individuals that maybe really kind of get behind somebody else and they listen and follow them. And I'm more of a, I'm kind of a sponge where I just surround myself with as many individuals as possible and try to learn from all of them at once. And then it just feels like it's my information, which is probably... (laughs) Well, let me change the question. What does it take for you to lead at the top of your game? Yeah, it takes me to lead at the top of my game is, is presence. And I think it takes that for everybody, honestly. And we, it's very easy to be distracted. 
I mean, I'm sitting in front of a computer with two screens. I have people texting me right now about a home that we just closed on. I have a cat that's lovely, luckily sleeping on the heating pad next to me. I have a dog that sometimes runs into this room. I have a partner not too far away that knocked on the door during this, you know, during this interview itself. I myself have a bunch of other, you know, meetings today. And I was literally just talking to my, to my editor earlier about a book that I'm trying to publish this year. And one of the sections that we were going over was about presence. And so maybe this is why I'm bringing this up, but I do think it's critical and important. Leaders, and if anyone's striving to grow as a leader, pay attention during your meetings and look at the executives. They are, even virtually or not, they are looking at you. They are looking at everybody. They are not on their phones. They, I don't, it, and it's amazing how focused they are. I mean, they at least seem. And in a meeting itself, they also are focused. And they're like, they understand that their job is to be present, period. And I think individuals that are striving to grow as leaders, and maybe some leaders too, try to do more because they think their their job is more so doing the work. But when you are trying to exude executive presence and to lead, you have to be present. At all times. Well, that's a perfect way to end our show. Thank you, Ben, for sharing these great, these great words of wisdom with our audience. We really appreciate you. Oh, it's been a blast. This is so much fun. Thanks for having me. All right. <laughs> Thanks so much. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed our conversation today with Dr. Benjamin Ritter, founder of Live For Yourself Consulting. Links to his bio, his entry into our leadership playbook, and additional resources can be found both in the show notes, on your favorite platform of choice, and on the website leadyourgamepodcast.com. And now for Karen's take on today's topic of the role of self-leadership. According to the World Economic Forum, research shows that those who demonstrate advanced self-leadership skills generally perform higher in roles of greater responsibility, are more effective at resolving interpersonal conflicts, are more likely to be seen as a true leader, and receive more promotions and recognition. So to jumpstart your planning on how to improve your self-leadership skills, try answering these questions that I'm going to rattle off to you. Number one, ask yourself, can I describe the environment that brings out both my best self and my worst self? Number two, do I understand my strengths and how to leverage them? Three, do I understand my weaknesses and how to mitigate them? Four, do I try to understand other situations before making judgments? Five, do I seek diverse perspectives when encountering complex situations? Six, am I capable of managing others when they have defensive reactions? Seven, do I regularly practice reflection to learn from my actions? Eight, do I have a social network that supports my learning and growth? And nine, do I create strategies for overcoming reoccurring challenges to my development? If there are any of these questions that you have not addressed, now's the time to make a plan to do so. Take some time and think about how you can better use your time to sharpen your self-leadership skills in order to better lead others and affect real change in your sliver of the world. Now, if you're listening to the show, know that this podcast is not free. However, we don't want any money. You're probably one of the only podcast groups that don't. However, our only price for admission is that you honor a pact among us friends. And the pact involves 
just subscribing to us on your favorite podcast platform of choice and share our podcast with just one thing friend that you think might be interested we really appreciate it and it will help us grow our reach i'm all about better leadership in the world and i hope you are too well thanks for listening and see you next week and that's our show for today thank you for listening to the lead at the top of your game podcast where we help you lead your seat at any employer business or industry in which you choose to play You can check out the show notes, additional episodes, bonus resources, and also submit guest recommendations on our website at leadyourgamepodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn by searching for the name Karen Rhodes with Karen being spelled K-A-R-A-N. And if you like the show, the greatest gift you can give would be to subscribe and leave a rating on your podcast platform of choice. This podcast has been a production of Shockingly Different Leadership, a global consultancy which helps organizations execute their people, talent development, and organizational effectiveness initiatives on an on-demand project or contract basis. Huge thanks to our production and editing team for a job well done. Goodbye for now.